So uh, I want you to think about a few things as we start this morning. What will I personally do to become more like Christ in 2017? What meaningful steps, intentional steps will I take that will allow me to have personal life change as well as impact the world in which I live? For every what I decide to do, there must be a why that I'm doing it. When you study the teachings of Jesus and you study Scripture, there's a lot of what truths laid out in Scripture. But every what that God lays out in regards to a principle, a truth, or a precept or concept teaching of Him, there's always a why. And the why is always met with, this is going to allow you to have the best opportunity to have the strongest foundation as you do relationships, both vertical and horizontally. And so God wants us prepared and equipped for what we're going to do. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 5 says it this way, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Great proverb. I would encourage you to memorize this one and, and to ponder this one. But what he's saying is having a plan and then working hard and working smart with that plan will lead you to a successful life. Not having a plan and taking shortcuts is going to cause a lot of failure in our lives. And so one of the things I believe God is uh, encouraging us to do, even as we start uh, this 2017, is to have an intentional plan of how we're going to do life. I've shared with you, and if you've missed the last few weeks, I would highly encourage you to go out and grab a copy of The Purpose Driven Life. Now, this book was first written some 15 plus years ago. It's been in circulation, but what this book is going to do for us, there's 40 uh, days of purpose living. And so when you start to study uh, Scripture, uh, 40 is a significant number. Jesus was in the desert for 40 days being tempted, uh, 40 years on the backside of the desert. 40 is uh, repeatedly used in Scripture. 40 days of creating healthy habits, 40 days of having a plan. 40 days that each and every person that makes up the community of the body of Christ here at the Cross Loganville, we can be on the same page and studying together. So I would highly encourage you to grab a copy of The Purpose Driven Life. Uh, the Kindle, I read off the Kindle. They had it the other day for a buck ninety-nine. It's gone up to two ninety-nine. But I would highly encourage you to get a copy because we're going to grow and uh, move together as we start 2017. Now, if we don't have a plan and a real defined purpose of why we're on the planet. Here's what I know. Our time, our energy, our resources will be dictated by other people. When I don't know where I'm going, other people start to should on me a lot and tell me what I should be doing. The old cliche is, if you aim for nothing, you're guaranteed to hit it every time. So we've got to figure out, what am I aiming at? What am I focusing on? What am I shooting at as I start this new year? Uh, Jesus said in Scripture, don't worry about tomorrow. But Jesus didn't say, don't think about tomorrow. And I think a lot of people have misused the text at times when Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. What he's saying is, don't get knot, uh, knotted up and tied up over the events of tomorrow. But he never said, don't think about it. He never, 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 never said, don't have a plan. Don't have a, uh, don't have a game plan for what you're going to do 
Uh, he never said that. And so I believe it's very important that each and every one of us have a game plan of where we're going. Now open your bulletin, grab a pen. Let's grow together today. This is uh, just an encouraging style word today. It's not a real preachy word, but it's a very practical, applicable style uh, word. And I would encourage you to do this. I would encourage you to do this. Uh, the first thing we've got to do, if we're really going to have a plan and have uh, priorities and really live a life of purpose, we've got to get along with God and establish Christ-centered priorities in our life. I've got to get along with God and establish those things that should be priority in my life, which means for a lot of us sitting here, we allow a lot of things to get on our plate at times that shouldn't be on our plate, a lot of things to get on our calendar at times that shouldn't be on our calendar. There's a lot of people in this room that struggle with saying yes to Christ at times because you don't say no to those inferior things in your life. And so if we're going to really grow, we're going to have to get along with God. Now, once I start to do that, spiritual growth can be monitored and measured by my priorities. If you want to know what your priorities are, and you want to look back over 2016 to kind of get a guesstimate of what were the priorities in my life, where did you spend most of your time and most of your money? I mean, the old cliche years ago when I first got saved, you want to know what you really value? Look at your checkbook. Well, there's so many other ways to spend through debit and credit and everything else now, but where does my time and where does my resources go? Now, what do I want to prioritize and, and emphasize? I talk about PE in my own life a lot. PE for me is prioritize and emphasize. What am I prioritizing? What am I emphasizing? I want to know where I'm at. I want to know where I feel like God has taken me. And then I want to develop a plan of action to connect the dots to say, I want to be uh, very intentional. So we want to make a declaration with the way we live our lives. Don't, don't, don't miss this for me. I've been around and I see people oftentimes, uh, by the time the peach or the ball or whatever drops, people are sitting around and they're going, all right, here's my New Year's resolution. I don't like the word resolution. The word resolution means resaluting what I didn't do. That's the word, right? I'm going to resalute some things that I didn't do because they were not priority in my life and they were not worth doing in the first place. So I don't want resolutions or resolutions that didn't work. Here's what we got to get. I think it would be very wise to say, here is my declaration. A declaration is an emphatic statement of my life of what I'm going to do. I'm not resaluting anything. I'm making a, an emphatic statement. I'm declaring, here's where I'm at, here's where I've got to go, and here are the things that God is doing in my life. So as I do that, I start to establish some spiritual goals. Goals are going to be exit ramps, but at least it gives me some kind of mile markers of here's where I started and here's some things I'm starting to accomplish. When I have spiritual goals, it allows me to start to move through my life and move through the week and move through the year where I don't get to the end and I look through the rear view going, man, I've got so much regret and so much remorse. I didn't do anything that I sustained. That, 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 that's brutal. And so, if you want to eliminate a lot of the regrets in your life and a lot of the remorse in your life, get a game plan. Get, get a strategy and ask the Lord, Lord, show me the things that should be priority in my life. Defining your goals and priorities 
are essential for character building. God wants to do things in my character this year and your character this year. He wants to grow us up. He wants to mature us more. He wants to develop us more. He wants us uh, uh, more grounded in Scripture. He wants us more engaged in outreach of reaching other people with the gospel. He wants us more involved in discipleship. There's so many things I know as a follower of Jesus and a Talmud of Jesus, disciple of Jesus, that he wants me to be involved in. There's certain things in some of our lives right now that's disrupting our walk and disrupting our family, and we've allowed these less wild lovers to kind of slip in, and we're boozing it when we shouldn't be, and some of us have opened the door to pharmaceutical and, and drug stuff here and there, and God is saying, you got to stop the nonsense. It's taking you down. Makes sense. And, and some of us were living in disruption with regret and remorse because we didn't prioritize and emphasize the things that God wanted us to be a part of. And so one of the things you'll hear me oftentimes say here is we need to learn to live with eternity as the backdrop. I got to live with eternity as the backdrop. This is not home right here. I only get just a dash of maybe... 70 years, which if you do the math, is only about 25,580 days is all I'm going to get. And so, if I only get 25,580 days, I've been walking with Jesus now about 11,300 days, and Barb and I have been married about 9,400 days, but I only get about 25,580 days on the planet. I want to redeem those days. I want to make those days count. I want to be able to present back to God when I stand before him, a life that mattered. I want to live with eternity as my backdrop. Because of where I'm going, it determines what I pack. It determines what I do with my life day in and day out. So we need to learn to pack wise, prioritize, and emphasize. I would encourage you, write down these spiritual goals. Write them down, and after you write down the what, then write down the why. Here's what I want to do, but here's why I really want that uh, goal in my life to, uh, to be accomplished. Now, I've seen more men fail. I've seen more men fail because of a lack of purpose than I have through a lack of talent. Don't miss it. More men, more women, and more people fail through a lack of of purpose, not through a lack of, of talent, which means a lack of focus can destroy the giftedness that God has poured inside of us. God has gifted each and every person in this room in a unique way. You're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. There are certain gifts and abilities and passions that God has poured within you that's totally unique. And God is wanting to resurrect those things and raise those things up in you so that he can be glorified and others can be edified. and You can grow to the fullness of who you are. But so many people squander giftness, giftedness and abilities because they have no direction. It's like the cliche I've used in working with athletes for all these years of when your giftedness takes you further than your character can sustain you, shipwrecks are inevitable. Guys and gals shipwreck at times because their character does not match their ability, their giftedness, etc. Come on. Makes sense. 
So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9, he goes, you know, we make it our aim, our goal, our objective, our focus to be well-pleasing to him. What, what the target I'm shooting at and what I'm aiming at and what I'm focusing on, and I'm talking 365, 24-7, is to be well-pleasing to the one who has redeemed me, who has purchased me, who has rescued me out of the domain of darkness. Now, come on. What do I want to become? What do I want to become? You fill in the name. What does Caleb want to become? What does Nick want to become? What does Hannah want to become? What does, come on, fill your name in. What do I want to become? Now, here's some simple things. I want you to jog with me. What do you want to become? I want to become a husband that is loved and respected by my wife. I want Barb to look and go, I love and respect that man. That's what I want. Why? Because it honors God and it blesses her. Then what is my plan of action that she would look and go, I love him. I respect him. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of, of character. He's a man of consistency. He's transparency. Uh, he's got a lot of transparency in his life. He doesn't hide. He doesn't lie. He doesn't cover. He, he, he doesn't deceive me. Is that one of your goals, men? And I'm talking men, masculine, male. Is one of your goals sitting in this room, January 1, man, I want to be loved and respected by my wife. Now, you can flip it, female, and say, I want to be loved and cherished by my husband. What am I doing? It would be a second one for me. What, what, what do you want to become, Tim? I want to be a father. Listen, 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 dudes. I want to be a father that my kids want to imitate. That's what I want to be. I don't want them getting to be 16 and 18 and 25 going to hell with that dude. And there's some of you sitting in this room right now that grew up with the abusive dad, with a disruptive dad, with a distant dad, with a betrayal dad, and you go, he showed me a lot of what I don't want to be. I'm a Denzel fan. Christmas Day, we go to see the movie Fences. Come on. A lot of white folk won't appreciate the depth of what was happening in this movie. I'm telling you. The movie was about half black that night when we went to it. Denzel in Fences is an abusive, bitter, obnoxious, degrading, condescending man. He grows up uh, probably 1930, 1940, whenever it would be, but the oppression of his soul anti-white, anti-everything. So much hatred, so much hurt, everything. Fences. Great movie. If I was counseling with a dude who's jacking up his family, I'm like, you're going to watch this movie and me and you're going to sit down. He abuses his wife. He cheats on his wife. He damages and abuses his son. And at the end of the movie, the character he plays, which he does an incredible role playing this, because Denzel nor normally is a hero in a movie, and this movie he is a zero. He dies, and his son does not even want to attend his dad's funeral. So I'm watching that going, very interesting. Is one of your goals and one of your objectives, 
when you look at your life, is it, I want to be a, a father that my kids want to imitate. Are you jacking it up and it's time to clean it up and repent, maybe even today, before the greens hit your mouth and the cornbread's out of the oven? Come on, Southern folk. It's like, man, I need to repent. I'm misrepresenting the heartbeat of Christ. I'm not leading y'all. Yeah. A third one would be this. I want to be a leader. Come, hold on. I want to be a leader that others desire to follow. Not out of manipulation, not out of intimidation, but out of character and integrity that others would say, I'm willing to follow him. He's honest. He's real. I trust him. And it takes a while to gain trust equity. My friend Danny and his beautiful family, when they started attending here, Danny's 31. Just had a happy birthday, Danny. Love you. But Danny and I were sitting down having coffee one day, and Danny went to Southeastern Christian University. And Danny goes, one of the most compelling things about this church that drew me was basically the transparency of how you guys do finances in this church. Your transparency and authenticity drew me. And for a 31-year-old guy who's a very sharp and shrewd businessman, that spoke volumes to me. That was a ministering statement to my soul. Because he's looking, saying, here I am married. Krista and I have these two beautiful kids. But I'm willing to entrust my family to the leadership of where God has taken this church because I trust you. Don't you want to be a person that is trusted in such a way that others would follow you? Here's another one. I want to be a friend that others trust as well. I trust this dude. I share my heart with him. I can be honest and real about my journey. And so the one thing that Barb and I in 26 years of marriage is like, we want to be the kind of people that you go, I trust them. They don't manipulate. They don't use and abuse relationships. Here's another one, which is foundational. I want to be a disciple that honors God. When it's all said and done, you're lead pastor. I don't do this because I get paid. I do it because this is who I am. All right? I was doing this before the cross came about in my life. I want to be a disciple that walks in the dust of Rabbi Jesus. I want to be a student of the word. I want to be a faithful servant of the king. 1 Corinthians 4. Let a man regard us in this manner. Servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. I want to be known as a guy that was a servant, and he stewarded the assignments that God gave him. Y'all with me? What do I want to become? What one thing am I praying for that God would change in my character? Maybe two, three, or ten, but what one thing am I praying for, for God to change in my character that would make me a better husband? a better dad, a better friend, a better leader, a better pastor. Fill your name in. What one thing as I mar march into 2017, I've got 365 pages. We're about to write a new story. What do I want God to change in me? I'm not going to let you off the hook. Your responsibility, if you claim to be a follower of Yeshua Jesus, 
Your responsibility is to maximize the abilities that he's given you to bring ultimate glory to him in everything you say and do. So as I look across the room, Brian and Ricky and Eric and so many, Earl, I look and go, you've got a responsibility. It is to maximize the abilities that God has placed within your soul that you would bring glory to him. Now, here's the practical. Now, this this is what God is calling us to. I want to live a purpose-driven life every day. I want to live a purposeful life every day. I, I want my life to count. I want my life to matter. I want to pass that baton into the next generation. I don't want to, I, I don't want just uh, be a man, but I want to be a mentor. I want to be a patriarch. I want to be a person that can send a message to a generation yet to be born. I, even if God takes me out in 2017, because of what he's done, I would love to be able to pass on a message to my grandchildren that I never get to hold, but I get to touch. I might not get to hold them, but, but I might get to touch them. Though he is dead through his faith, he will continue to speak. My declaration first, Timothy 1.5, the goal, as Paul writes to Timothy, he says, you know, the goal, Timothy, of our instruction is to love. It's to do it from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. The goal of our instruction is to love each and every person that God allows us to touch. The goal of our instruction is to love you. We want to do it with a pure heart, no contamination. We're not leveraging who we are. I want to do it with a good conscience. I want my mind clean. I don't want anything hanging me up in my thought process. And I want to do it with sincere faith, which means my faith doesn't have any cracks in it. It's not full of holes and gaps. It's legit. Man, that's, that's my goal. That's my aim. That's my focus. Come on, Dad. As you shepherd your family, as you shepherd the heart of your wife and your kids, that should be your aim. Here's my goal. My goal is to love, agapeo, agape, unconditionally, sacrificially, not phileo love, not brotherly kind of kindness. I'm talking agape, willing to lay my life down, loving my wife as Christ loves the church, loving my family in that way. That's the goal. But I want to do it with pure heart, and I want to do it with a good conscience, and I want to do it with sincere faith. Let me have five simple things here. Worship. As I make it my aim and my focus to say yes to Jesus, I want to be a person of worship, 365, 24-7. Those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship is man's response to the holy presence of the divine. Authentic worship is not singing songs with other people. It is man's response to the presence of the holy and divine. And when I worship... What I'm doing, Mama Kay, is I'm giving incredible honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. I'm worshiping. There's going to be extravagant love and extreme submission. Every person in this room is a worshiper. Tim Keller said it this way. You don't decide to worship. Everyone worships something. Tim Keller went on to say, the only choice you get is what will you worship. 
See, every person in this room is a worshiper. The only choice you get is, what will you worship? And those who worship the king must worship him in spirit and in truth. What is the object of my affection? What do I give my time, attention, resources, and energy to? He goes, come now. David would say in the Psalms, give thanks to the Lord, Psalm 105. Give thanks to the Lord. Proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he's done. How is the whole world going to know what he's done? Because when you start to give thanks to the Lord and send praises to the Lord, you're going to start to tell others, look at what my God is up to. He goes on to say, sing his praises and tell everybody about his miracles. You see, I believe if we are captured by the heart of God and by the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to love our neighbor and we're going to extend kindness to our neighbor. We're going to want to see our neighbor respond and repent and be restored. We we don't want to see anybody die and go to hell. We don't want to see anybody miss the abundant life that God is offering. We don't want to see anybody separated, alienated from God. I'm singing his praises. I'm giving thanks to the Lord. I'm declaring his goodness. Why? Because God has done so much for me and he's worthy of it. Piper said, when the holy presence of God penetrates the ordinary space of man, the Holy Spirit arouses a staggering awareness in the heart of man. The sacred and the ordinary are united in an experience of worship. I am begging God and pleading with God that the holy presence of the divine would interrupt this ordinary space that I have to live in right now and go you're worthy you're good tell your world as you start this year invite your friends we're about to do these 40 plus days of living a life of purpose and I've been around you and I know you you've been rejected and you've been hurt and you've been confused would you come and go with me Pray for your friend. Pray for your family member. Pray for those people around you. Pick up the phone and call them and say, would you please go with me? I'll sit with you. We'll hang together. There's people that have walked in these doors on Sunday morning that smelt like a brewery because they had been hammered the night before. But I'm so glad that you wanted to hang out in a community where you possibly could be restored. Yes, I'm glad you're here. There's people that walk in smelling like a smoke factory. And I'm like, hey, we're not concerned about the nicotine on your clothing. We're concerned about you hearing from heaven's heart and knowing that you matter and your story matters. Come on. What's your declaration going to be? What is going to be the emphatic statement of your life As you drive that stake in the ground saying, all right, what is it going to be? What do you worship? What do you give your time, attention, and energies to? And what is happening in your life right now that's disturbing that worship? Here would be a second thing. I'm going to be a student of God's word. Yes, I am. Because grass withers and flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. I'm going to read it. I'm going to reflect on it. I'm going to remember it. I'm going to memorize everything I can. Second Peter 1 says, know this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. People say that at times. Well, 
The Bible's interesting. It's just your interpretation. I don't get a vote on interpretation. The God that wrote it meant something by it. What did he mean? It ain't up to my interpretation. He says, no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but the Holy Spirit moved men that penned the words of God. So I'm looking at this going, you can do this. It's in your bulletin. You can do this. You can spend time in observation. You can read a chapter a day. You can start today with Proverbs and read chapter 1. There's 31 uh, Proverbs. There's 31 days in this month, right? April, June, uh, and November have only 30, but 31 is the rest of them except February. All, however, how that thing goes? Did I jack that up? 30 days have September. April, June, and November. All the rest have 31. That's the reason I struggled in school. But anyway. But there's 31 days in this month, bottom line. Chesterman, delete that part out of the sermon. We don't need that online. Thank you. But here's the deal. You can spend time going through Proverbs. You can spend time going through a book of the Bible. You can spend time as we start this purpose-driven life. There's a ton of Scripture. Get you an NASB. Get you an ESV, New American Standard or English Standard Version. Read out of the New Living. Read out of something that's God, uh, God's Word. Not the JW translation and all that. I'm talking about legit translations. But get you a Bible and go, I'm going to get into this. Spend time in observation. Spend time in interpretation going, what, what, what does that mean? Why did he use that word? What, what, why did he use that phrase? It don't take long. You can do this. Right? I mean, that's the reason relationships fell at times is people will say something and we assume we know what they mean. And if we stopped and said, hold on, you used the phrase right there. I don't know what you mean by that phrase. Cleans up communication. Same thing in studying. Observation and interpretation. Spend time in meditation after God gives you a nugget that morning and, and you're over here journaling out some thoughts and like, man, God just gave me a word today. As you're driving down the road, as you're going through life, chew on that verse during the day. I mean, I'm going from observation to interpretation to meditation. Then I'm going to ask the question of application. Application, how does this apply for the way uh, I'm to live my life out at work, with my family, at school, wherever I'm at? What's the application? And then finish it with transformation. How is God using this truth to transform me into the person he desires me to be? Can we do this? Oh, now, 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 listen to me. Listen to me. You got a connect card in there? Any, any, anybody get a bulletin? You're not going to believe it, but every week we put connect cards in these bulletins. It's a phenomenal thing. <clears throat> this is crazy. On the back side of this connect card, it, it's, my next step is I want to register for foundations. Steve Joyner, one of our elders, great Bible teacher, great communicator. He loves people. When it comes to observation, interpretation, meditation, application, transformation, Steve is starving to go, I want to disciple people. This is a discipleship culture. You're sitting there going, I've never been a disciple. I don't know how to study the Word. I, I, I don't know how to do that. Starting here in a few weeks, Steve is going to start this. And you go, I, I want to learn. All you've got to do, it's not that hard. I'm, I'm telling you, we try to make this stuff simple. I've got my name. I've got my cell number. And my email or whatever, how I can really be reached. And I'm just going to check that box. Hey, contact me and send me information. I want to be a part of that. Is that not good? If we're going to encourage you to do it and not give you a place to maybe get the 
the wheels on the ground and traction made. So some of y'all keep that connect card. That's going to be one of the things. So I'm going to worship. I'm going to be a person of the word. I'm going to be a person of prayer. I'm going to spend time in prayer every day. Prayer is going to be an intentional part of my life. I'm going to have a prayer closet. I'm going up to my watchtowers we talked about with Habakkuk. I'm going to have a place where I can hang with God. Now, prayer is as old as men. But prayers, prayer in its purest definition is man's acknowledgement of a being higher than himself. Prayer gets me to a place where I go, there's somebody sovereign, somebody supreme. True prayer is a conversation with God and you and you and God that becomes intimate and familiar. Prayer is honest dialogue. It's not these and thous. It's rawness. It's soul talk. It's worship. It's adoration. It's vomit. It's all kinds of stuff. Jeremiah said it this way, call to me and I'll show you great mighty things that you do not know. I want to see great and mighty things that I do not know. How are you going to get it? I'm going to cry out. I'm going to spend time with the king. Matthew 7, he says, ask and seek and knock and see if I will not speak to you. You go, what's the power of prayer? What's the secret of prayer? I've got it in your notes right here. Five reasons I pray. It allows me to stay in a place where I submit to the authority of God. I mean, when I pray, I'm learning authority. When I'm praying, I'm submitting to the will of the Father. When I'm praying, I'm saying, not my will be done, but your will be done. My will be lost. When I pray, I surrender to God's will. I don't want to be conformed to this world. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. So when I'm praying, you know, you know what it allows me to do? I start seeing myself conformed to the will of God. Another thing that happens in prayer is I gain strength and it allows me to resist temptation. I live in a fallen world. Sin's disrupted humanity at every level. The enemy's coming out to take advantage of me. He wants to devour me. And when I pray, I gain strength with the supernatural thoughts of God and the theological views of God. And he's like, stay with me. You can resist that temptation. When I pray, it allows me to become more like Christ. Romans 8, to those he foreknew, he also predestined to conform into to the likeness of Christ. I want to be conformed more to Jesus. Why don't you pray, Tim? Really, why do I pray? The number one reason I pray is because I love God and I want to spend time with him. And he loves me and he wants to spend time with me. That's the motivation out of all of them. So I'm going to worship. I'm going to word out. I'm going to become a man of prayer. My declaration, the emphatic statement is, I'm going to live a life of generosity. Because everything we have, everything we receive, everything we give, everything belongs to God. And I'm not an owner, I'm just a steward. God owns it all. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. God owns it all. But he's put me in a position to steward, which means to manage what belongs to him. It ain't mine. I'm going to give an account to him one day. And the scripture says that I'm going to be a judge even with a stricter judgment being pastor and leader and shepherd and all this. So when we look at that, it's like, hey, we're going to live a life of generosity. But when you honor God and when you are faithful to God with Steve and our finance team and all these other people, I can tell you we care to be great stewards of anything you entrust to the kingdom of God. We care about that. Because living a life of generosity is the heartbeat of who we are. The heartbeat of God screams, generous, generous, generous. God so loved that God gave. And so now God is saying, I want you to be a giving, generous person. He says, invest in kingdom work, Luke chapter 6. 
He says, give sacrificially. And people say years ago, man, you need to give until it hurts. And I'm like, why? I want to give until it feels good. I want to get to a place where God pushes me beyond my capacity to say, are you trusting me? I want to give sacrificially. I want to give with a cheerful heart. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. Everything the earth contains belongs to God. So I don't care if you're 15, 16 years old or if you're 70 years old. God is saying, I want you to live a life of generosity. Do you know that Jesus addressed wealth and possessions more than any other topic in the Bible? We want to be good stewards. We want to live generous lives. Here's another one. I want to be connected. I want to be a part of fellowship. Our, our cross links here is our small group ministry. And I think it's so important for each and every person to be connected. One of the declarations we make, the emphatic statement that we make is, true life is done in circles, not in rows. When you get in a small group of 12, 14, 18 other people, and you're looking eye to eye and heart to heart, that's where life exchange starts to happen. You come in here on a Sunday morning, and you're looking at the back of somebody else's head. You're not doing life that way. There's no interaction. And so we believe that living in authentic fellowship, in authentic community, koinonia is the biblical term where we share the things of God in common. He says in uh, Hebrews chapter 3 and 10, encourage one another day after day. So when we're in small group and living in community, we can encourage one another. He goes on to say, do that so that none of your hearts become hardened hardened, and, and the deceitfulness of sin starts to take root in you. Hey, encourage one another. Stimulate one another. Stimulate people to do love and good deeds. Don't forsake fellowshipping. Encourage one another day after day. Growth and maturity take place at a deeper level when we start to engage with others in the body of Christ. And so if you're a lone ranger and you feel like, hey, I don't need it. I've heard people say that, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. No, you don't need to go to to the gym to work out, and I can tell with the way you look, and I can tell with the way you act, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian, because you're bitter, and I don't even know if you are a Christian. Listen, listen, listen. People say those kind of stupid things, right? And if you've made those statements, that's a stupid thing to say. (laughs) I'm just being straight up with you. That's a stupid thing to say, because fellowship is a gift that we get to share. My my prayer partner and accountability partner for 20 plus years, Ronnie, we, we, we met the other day. And we hung out for about two hours at a Chick-fil-A and just me and him. What are you thinking? How are you feeling? What's going on? And we, we've been doing this for 20 years. And we hugged each other and it's like, man, he, he had a counseling uh, appointment he had to get to. But I'm like, hey, bro, let's see if we can do another 20 years together. We've done 20 years together. But do you know that I benefit? Hey, man, let me tell you what I'm reading. Hey, Ronnie, here's what I'm dealing with. Wait, let, me, let me share with you what I've seen with people that fall into criticism and contempt and complain all the time. I'm I'm like, hold on, let me get my iPad, man. I'm writing stuff down. I benefit as iron sharpens iron. You can't do life as a believer, as a lone ranger. The body is to function together. The finger is to be attached to the hand, to the wrist, to the arm. Come on. And when we function together, there's so much more, Jen, that can happen in our journey. Bam, last one. Don't you go there. Yes, I'm going there. We're going to worship. We're going to get into the Word. We're going to be people of prayer. We're going to be people of generosity. We're going to be engaged in fellowship. Don't do it. Yes, I'm doing it. you got to take care of that physical body you got. Come on. Cancel that subscription to Golden Corral. Get out of there. (laughs) 
you don't want that anymore. Ah. You looking at me talking about, well, it's the third trip that hurt me. Come on, you better stop that noise. Just cause Foxworthy's making money doing commercials. Stop that, Jeff. Exercise and diet are so important. Exercise, diet, sleep, rest, it's so important. First Corinthians 6, I'm wrapping. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of where the Holy Spirit is now housed. Who is in you? Who's in me? God. Holy Spirit is in me. He goes on to say, the Holy Spirit's in you now through faith and repentance whom you have with God. Listen to this. You are not your own anymore. You turned over the key. You gave up ownership. You don't own the deed to your property anymore. You've been bought with a price, Gomer. Hosea has gone to the land of harlotry and bought you, Gomer. That's who I am. I've been redeemed out of the ruins of darkness. You've been bought with a price. What does he say? Glorify God with your body. Glorify God with your body. Why should I glorify God with my body? Because my body is a temple. This is the temple of God. God doesn't dwell in buildings made with bricks and sticks. We're not going to church. We are the church. We're the temple. And when you study temple, temple is, it's a sacred place. It's the inner sanctuary where the presence of God would dwell. I don't want to do anything physically that would hinder the manifestation of the Holy Spirit of having complete control of my life. Come on. I need to exercise. I need to watch my diet. I need to watch my sleep. Hey, hey, you're the temple of God. Right? This ain't Indiana Jones Temple of Doom. I'm talking about the temple of God. If you looked in the mirror and said, God has declared you his temple. I mean, the temple in the Old Testament had the golden vines around it. And they, they, they were like, man, that is where the presence of God dwells. Modern day speaking, you've been bought with a price. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You are his temple. So wherever you're going, the holy of holies is going. Remember when David, man, they were bringing the ark in and the, the presence of God was in the ark? And David got so ghosted that he started dancing, had a Holy Ghost shouting spell. Some of the people laughed at him. But that, that, that's the presence of God. Wherever you, you, wherever you are, the presence of God. Let me, let me tell you something stupid. This is crazy. Father, now as we enter your presence, stop that nonsense. When did you get out of his presence? You are the temple. The presence of God lives inside of you. I don't have to thank him for entering his presence. I praise him that his presence never leaves me. I am the temple. There goes the temple of God. It was the presence of God. So, if I'm the temple of God, 
I need to pay attention. We've got to do this. What am I putting in it? Okay. What am I putting on it? Well, I'm the temple. What am I putting around it? I'm the temple of God. Why are you watching your playgrounds, those arenas? Because I'm the temple of God. And the temple of God's got to watch what he puts around it. Why do you watch your playmates? Well, the temple of God has to watch the associates of who he allows to be around him and speak into him. Some of y'all need to eliminate some of these crazy influences in your life starting today. There's some people speaking into you. It's not just the food you're putting in, but it's some of the words that you're hearing from some of these negative losers. You need to unplug. The stinking thinking, get a checkup from the neck up, get rid of that crap. Come on. It's time to grow and explode in Christ. What are you putting in it? What are you putting on it? And what are you putting around it? Man, if we took that serious to say, there's my declaration. I'm a worshiper. If I'm going to worship you in spirit and in truth, I want to be totally filled and clothed by the Holy Spirit. Y'all want to make it a good year? I didn't hear you. Y'all ready to charge hell with a water pistol taken 2017? Come on. Y'all ready? You want to make this day count? You're the temple. The temple wants to be filled. The temple wants to be full of the presence of the Shekinah glory of God. I want it. I don't want anything to disturb it. I'm going to be a man of word. I'm signing up. Oh, you think I'm letting you off the hook on that one? Grab the connect card. My man, Dallas, he's an animal. He loves to work out and train. Dallas Hop, sharp dude. I want to register for a stronger body. We got a fitness class for you. He's going to help you on what you eat, how you train, but it's going to be such a strong biblical perspective that Dallas is coming from. That class meets on Tuesdays, and you're like, I got to get a game plan. I need a life coach. I was cutting up with Yolande, you know, and here she is. I mean, she was an Olympic sprinter. Her daughter sprinted and was a runner at University of South Carolina. Come on, Gamecocks. <laughs> but here, here, here's the deal. Benji's getting ready to go back to spring training with the, the Royals here in a few months. I got to train. I got to watch what I'm putting in it. Benji, when are you going to start balancing your proteins and carbs and your fats and all that stuff? He was breaking this down to me yesterday. We were talking. I said, when are you going to start shredding again? I'm going to keep lifting, I'm going to keep training, but I'm going to start to really attack it right after my birthday. I'm like, that's good. But all he was saying is, I've got a plan because I live with purpose and I've got to have a strategy. You had to do it when you were training. Spiritual training should take ultimate priority over physical training. Paul would write in 1 Timothy 4, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Bodily exercise is profitable only for a short period of time, which means your physical body is going to die, but your soul and spirit is not. I got to get in the word, Ronnie. I got to be a worshiper of my king. Prayer, generosity. Let's roll.